Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning. This is Terry Wickstrom. And I, I want to say right up front in the beginning of this show that I'm not responsible for anything I say today. <laughs> we were, I spent five hours on an airplane yesterday to get from Hollywood. I was in uh, Hollywood Burbank to here because the whole system was shut down with storms. We had to stop in Colorado. We sat on the tarmac in Burbank, and then we had to go to Colorado Springs to refuel because we couldn't circle anymore. So I got in about 12.30 last night, But uh, and Karen, of course, had a glass of wine waiting for me so I could unwind and relax. She takes care of me so well. But... Uh, that being said, I'm not as mentally sharp as I could be. But we got a lot of great guests who are going to carry the show today. We're going to have our park segments. You know, um, Nate's going to continue with his scouting for big game. This time of the year when Nate does that big game scouting series, he's on at 10. And I'll tell you what, if, you don't, if you're into big game hunting and you don't listen at 10 o'clock, to find out what the movement of the animals, what what he's seeing out there. He's living out uh, in, in the outdoors, tra- tracking these animals, letting you know what's going on. It's just incredible. We're going to talk we're going to talk a lot of fishing today. In the second hour, we're going to be joined for two segments by Kirk Dieter. Kirk's a good friend, of course, he's a editor at large for Field and Stream magazine, and he is um the editor of Trout magazine in addition to that. And Kirk and I go way back. Of course, we were great friends with Charlie Meyer. And uh, Charlie Meyer, of course, helped Kirk write a, a book called um, The Little Red Book of Fly Fishing. Kirk's got another book coming out that will be out here shortly. And also, um, you know, because I write a column for the Denver Post every week. And, of course, you know, that always brings back memories of Charlie. And we usually end up reminiscing because we love Charlie to death. He was such a dear friend. So Kirk will join us in the second hour. So we've just got a lot going on today. Ronnie Castelloni is going to talk fishing in the second hour. And uh, we're we're just going to fill it up with lots of good stuff. But let's go to the phones right now so I don't keep babbling and get myself in trouble. And joining us, a guide, local guide from... Uh, discount tackle austin Parr. good morning austin how are you terry good morning you know i'm doing okay and as soon as i get a little more coffee in me i'm going to be fine it was a it was a long night last night but i'm used to that you know it's the, <laughs> it's it's the rigors of my the demands of my life so i'm fine but there i like i like to whine about it though but i don't get any sympathy <laughs> <laughs> how are you this morning Oh, doing all right. We're, uh, you know, just getting back after a, a good day guiding yesterday. Um, and, you know, we're going to be doing a, a store push today. But, you know, been lucky. The fishing's uh, continuing to, to be good for us. Well, when I talked to you yesterday, because I tried to give you a call, and I appreciate you coming on because I was having trouble lining things up because I was living on airplanes. <laughs> and you were actually catching catching fish while I was talking to you. And you know what's kind of surprising is, uh, and I didn't get in depth with you, and we only talked a couple minutes, but from what I was hearing from you, you were still catching fish on structure, especially walleyes. This time of the year, now there's always some walleyes shallow, Austin. We know that. They don't all, fish don't all do the same thing, just like people don't always eat at Burger King or Taco Bell. They, they have different, different likes and dislikes. But we should be getting to the time when the this year's bait fish are edible size. They're starting to suspend. We should be seeing a change, but it seems to be happening a little slower. It really does, you know, and I, I'm not sure if that's being affected by, you know, the little bit cooler weather right now or, or, or what we're seeing. But it's been somewhat on a reservoir-by-reservoir reservoir basis, which isn't super unusual. But, you know, out at 
at Cherry Creek, there is a absolute ton of bait fish out there. Um, you know, there's a few fish that are still on structure, but the majority of the fish that we're catching um, we're, we're trolling to. But when you're out of Chatfield, it, it's a, a totally different story. There's hardly any bait out there, at least from what we're seeing. I mean, all day yesterday, I, I marked maybe two or three schools of bait, and that was it. Uh, and all the fish are still up on really shallow structures. So we were catching them anywhere from 8 to 12 feet of water yesterday. But, you know, the other thing that was interesting and, and something that still warrants uh, what we normally see this time of year, but the reactionary bite was what we were uh, looking to see as far as being successful. Any kind of uh, slower type presentation, they didn't seem to be very interested in. Well, you know, and that's it's interesting, too. You know, another thing that's happening, we're seeing water levels, you know, Horse tooth was going down pretty rapidly because they were pulling a lot of water for irrigation, but Chatfield was going up because of the rain. Now the horse tooth thing has slowed down because we got rain too, but we're not getting the normal water fluctuations. We're still getting some reservoirs rising, some are falling, some are stopped falling, and that positions the fish quite a bit too. Yeah, it really does, and I mean, when you're dealing with a big influx of water when these fish, you know, are not really used to that, it's definitely going to affect them a little bit, and, you know, especially after the the floods two years ago, Chatfield has changed a lot, the overall fish size has changed a little bit, and even, you know, it seems like they, you know, the the newer class of fish have been sitting in areas that, you know, it's not as normal to see them from a couple of years ago. So, you know, the water fluctuations are, are even affecting fish several years later. Now, I have a question for you on Chatfield, too. You said you haven't seen the schools of bait fish. Now, we lost some bait fish during that flood. Yes. Um, so there's not as many big schools to draw those walleyes to suspend. Maybe that's why they're staying on structure longer and then with the rising water. But is there enough bait fish? Are the fish healthy? You know, they're a little bit skinnier than Cherry Creek for sure. Um, you know, we... The, the average fish out there is, is roughly 13-plus inches, so it's definitely a little bit smaller. But with how many walleyes were lost, that certainly is, is to be expected with the, you know, the, the, the stock fish that are uh, now growing back up from the, you know, the, the little fry size. But you know, when you're, you're catching them, they're, like I said, they're definitely a little bit skinnier. Even when you're getting those 18-, 19-inch fish, uh, they're, they're, they're still, I would, I would consider, healthy but not as healthy as some of the other fisheries around. So they're not gorging like Cherry Creek. And, you know, and that brings a good uh, good pointer for anglers right now is that Cherry Creek it used to be. Now, the guys that know what they're doing trolling will still have some success. Yep. But once those bait fish hatch on Cherry Creek, it's a whole different fishery. And a lot of people used to quit fishing it after about the first middle of July because you just couldn't catch it. And then in the winter, too, it got tough because so much bait. Chatfield used to be a little more um, sustainable as far as fishing. I would think the bite's probably a little easier on the structure at Chatfield, even when you do find the fish, because of the not so much competition from the bait fish. There really is. I mean, it, 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 the bite's definitely been a lot better. You know, if you're if you're just a fisherman that's out there, you know, looking to to find some fish and maybe not troll, Chatfield especially is going to be the the better option. But you know, Cherry Creek, like you mentioned, it has turned into a big time trolling bite. But if you get your get your bait styled in in, in the proper manner, you know, it, the, the bite's still been been really solid out there. You know what? A, a bite that I used to do it was a big fish bite on Cherry Creek, and you didn't get many bites. But I used to get right in line behind the water skiers out there, put a shad wrap out behind the boat that was down about five feet, a small shad wrap. And the water skiers would actually hit schools of shad and stun them. And those big walleyes would come up and feed. And if you followed behind with a shad rack, those, the, the boats were actually attracting rather than scaring the fish. You wouldn't get many fish, but boy, could you get some lunkers sometime. 
Man, you know, it's interesting. You know, with that exact comment right there, you know, that we, we had some, some jet skiers and some ski boats around yesterday that were a little bit obnoxious just as far as getting a little bit close. But as far as the fishing is concerned, they certainly don't seem to affect it very much, do they? No, if, you, if you're fishing on Cherry Creek or a lot of the lakes in Colorado, you know, everybody reads and watches the television shows and reads the magazines, and you hear about, well, um, the boat, don't spook the fish. Well, if the fish didn't eat at Cherry Creek when a boat went over them, they'd, they'd starve to death. It's like living next to the airport, right? You get used to it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they just get used to it. And, I mean, even in that shallow water, they all boats go over that shallow. And, you know, sometimes I, I even feel like the, the boat traffic on a, a busy Saturday or a Sunday might wind up even helping out. You know, when we're out there in the middle of the week and it gets to be 2 o'clock in the afternoon and it's getting hot, the bite a lot of times will slow a little bit. But if you have that continued uh, boat traffic that's going through and stirring it up almost like an artificial wind, uh, it seems like that bite, uh, you know, will continue. Let's talk before we run out of time about a few things. One point I wanted to make, we're talking about the changing bite right now. A lot of people in Colorado fish from shore, and, of course, we talk about the trout fishing, and a lot of that's really good in the mountains right now. But a lot of people want to fish. They don't want to drive too far. They want to fish in the metro area, shore fishermen. It's probably not the best time to be fishing some of our bigger bodies of water. I'll give you my take on it, and then you tell me what's going on. I think right now, if you're going to fish from shore, I concentrate on some ponds and things where where the, you can cast out to the deeper water and maybe target some bass and panfish that aren't, aren't quite as affected. If I was going to fish a bigger body of water, I may look for largemouth bass just because they don't tend to suspend quite as much as the smallmouth and the walleyes. But the trout will be difficult. Not that you can't catch them, but they can be difficult. Or I'd fish a colder lake like Aurora or maybe go to the rivers. What's your take? on the shore fishing for the, the angler that doesn't have a boat in Colorado right you now know, for the metro I, I, area. I, really, I, I really agree with that, what, what you just said right there. I mean, the, the big bodies of water are certainly going to wind up being tough, but the ponds this time of year are, are still fishing pretty well, particularly if you hit them in the right time of day. So it's not the thing you want to go do out in the, the, the heat of the day. You want to try and hit those ponds really, really early in the morning and then late in the evening, uh, maybe concentrating on some, some top water or some plastics in and around structure for some of your largemouth. That's definitely been solid, but even just not not a long drive from Denver, but just getting up in the mountains just a little bit, maybe going up and, and fishing Evergreen Lake in the early and late part of the day, or even Georgetown or, or Clear Creek or Bear Creek in between the two. And uh, those those fisheries are still doing really well. And, and mentioning the high water like we did a little bit earlier, it, it's adding additional water to these drainages. And, and some years in, in the past, uh, you know, there's been voluntary and uh, true closures of some of these rivers, particularly Bear Creek, due to the fact that the water temperature has been so warm. And we're seeing so much water this time of year that the water is still remaining nice and cold, and those little brown trout are, are being ferocious down there. So whether or not you're looking to throw some little spinners or jigs in the river, um, that definitely will be successful. Maybe going and trying a dry dropper on the fly fishing side of things, uh, you can really have some good success even right in the middle of the day. Well, and I'm hearing the, the everywhere around the state that the dry dropper especially a hopper. You know, the hoppers really came on early this year. And yep. when I, and I do, you know, a fair amount of fly fishing in addition to everything else I do. And one of the things I love about fishing a hopper dropper is that I don't have to try to make a delicate cast that's beyond my skill level because that hopper should plop on the water anyway. And my, and with my old eyes, I can see it. So it's much easier for me to fish. And it's just so darn effective. It really is. And, and you know, the, the, the dropper comment is something that I always try and and encourage people to wind up doing too. You know, they say, hey, you know, I, I'm not comfortable casting two flies, or, you know, I don't want to tie a second fly on, I just want to fish it dry. Well, if you add a dropper down below that hopper, you'll still get just as many bites on your dry fly, but you'll pick up a lot of extra fish, dropping a little copper john or a pheasant tail or 
or any kind of small beadhead PMD nymph this time of year can be ridiculously effective behind that grasshopper. Oh, you're absolutely right. And and if you don't fly fish, a fly in a bubble can be a great way to go right now, too. Because, absolutely. Hey, yes, before, before we let you go, let's t- pick a couple ideas. Now, yesterday when I talked to you, you were still using... Uh, jigging wrap type lures on structure. People think of that as a cold water lure, but yet you were getting and you were doing that, you said, because the walleyes at Chatfield, even though they were on structure, wanted a reactionary bite. They they have been and, and they've been doing that for the past honestly several months. I've been been doing almost every single day out guiding. We've been catching at least a few fish on jigging wraps and more often than not, uh, like 40 fish on jigging wraps each day. So they uh, they work all year long for, for people that, you know, think they're in the, the cold water. I literally have one tied on in my boat all the time. Um, but but being able to, to cast that bait out and work it over structure, what I really like is it winds up picking off your aggressive fish right off the bat. And you can wind up going from spot to spot to spot and catching fish immediately on each one of those locations. But yesterday, uh, you know, it seemed like a little bit more of the natural colors were doing better rather than the, the metallic or brighter colors. So we were doing some yellow perches, and actually even the, the rainbow trout pattern is one of my favorites out in that clear water at Chatfield. It has a, a nice dark back and a white belly, so it's imitating a, a small bait fish just perfectly. And on the cast yesterday also seemed to be a little bit better than, than uh, vertical jig right below the boat. And now speaking of shore fishermen, if you can get onto a location that is not super snaggy, particularly a little bit earlier and later in the year when the weeds die down, uh, those jigging wraps can be a fantastic uh, bet if you're just looking to bomb something really far off the shore. Now, um, before I let you go, real quick, about 30 seconds worth, somebody wants to fish tomorrow. Give me two, one for the shore guys, one for the boat guys. Where do you send them? Well, boat guys, I would probably be winding up going to Chatfield. That's been an absolutely fantastic fishery. And even with the boat traffic, uh, you can slide in there early and, and catch some, some good fish still. Uh, but then if I am going to be on the shore fishing side of things, I would probably wind up going and doing a little bit of stream fishing. So we were looking at, uh, to, at Clear Creek a little bit. The water's a little bit high, but dry dropper, or if you're looking to throw a spinning rod down through there, that's going to work well. And maybe even adding Georgetown Lake to that, walking around the backside and getting away from some of the crowds. Uh, you can maybe hit that in the early morning and then slide down and fish Clear Creek in the afternoon. And I said last question, but one quick, and we got to make <laughs> this like 10 seconds. The guys have got the full moon open coming up. Any tips? You know, I would be imagining that the early morning, or the, excuse me, right right at the start and then the early morning is where I always hear it's going to gonna win it. Um, as you mentioned in the past, I think cube jigs could be good, but maybe going and doing some bait fish patterns as well with all the, the smelt and shad that are that are moving out. Yeah, Karen and I just smacked the big smallmouth out there on two-and-a-half-inch tubes, and I think sometimes they use too big a tubes out there because a lot of those crawfish are still small. Yeah, absolutely. All right, how do they find you if they want to get a hold of you, Austin? So my uh, phone number is 303-514-5546, or you can find me in the afternoons after guiding a whole bunch down at Discount Fishing Tackle. All right. Thanks for all the information. Great as always. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much, Terry. I appreciate it. That's Austin Parr, who's a great resource for us. He's uh, We've been bringing him on more lately, and he just uh, he's out there, and uh, he's just doing a good job. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoke Fish Company's Honey Smoke Salmon. The secret is in the fire. We're going to go right back to the phones now. And joining us from the hatchery system is uh, Brandon White. Good morning, Brandon. How are you, Terry? You know, I'm doing great. And, you know, I think almost everybody in the state that fishes understands the hatchery system as it relates to our trout. 
we do such a great job of supplying a lot of waters with put-and-take trout that are stocked at a catchable size so people can go out and immediately catch some fish, have fun, and kids can get involved. I can be a kid. I can go catch some of those trout, take them home. You, the, the hatchery system for trout also propagates and raises fish that are sub-catchables to supplement the, the wild populations growing our rivers and lakes. But I don't know how many people understand what we do with the warm water fisheries. You know, there's we're seeing more and better bass fishing all the time. We've got white bass. We've got wipers. We've got stripers. We've got um, smallmouth. We've got walleyes, catfish. Those fisheries in this state, and we have such a diversity, just really probably to the most part wouldn't exist without our warm water hatcheries, would they? They wouldn't. You know, we uh, currently, and what we uh, raise, and you said a lot of the species, you know, we um, we also raise bluegill, uh, black crappie, um, and obviously the catfish, largemouth, um, and it, they wouldn't be, you know, possible with without our hatchery system. We have three warm water hatcheries in the state, uh, one in Pueblo, one in Ray, Colorado, and the other down in the southeast corner in Los Angeles. Right, um, and, and, and and with the people moving here from other states, um, obviously they're, they're enamored with the trout fishing to some point, but they probably grew up fishing bluegills and crappies and maybe bass and, and, and maybe some tiger musk even, but and catfish for sure. And those fish, I mean, really, we have substantial fisheries that are um, they're just outstanding because of the types of waters we have in Colorado, and that's because of the stocking. What um, When you guys get ready to stock these fish, are there certain species you seem to focus on? Um, you know, the biologists, uh, you know, they're the ones out there looking at our populations and, and what what these populations are, are doing in, in the bodies of water. And, you know, they decide, uh, you know, really what's doing the best out there in those waters. So, you know, each water you know, does a little bit better on a particular species uh, than another. Um, but, you know, a lot of them, uh, you know, your, your, a lot of your urban lakes, you know, Chatfield, Cherry Creek, and, um, you know, even Boyd and Horsetooth have got kind of a combination of everything, you know. And so it's kind of a, a myriad of fishing that our anglers can do. Yeah, you know, a couple fish that I don't know if people understand so much. I mean, everybody knows we have some bass, and you guys do a great job. And some of these fish, obviously, you stock them to get started, and they become somewhat self-sustaining, and some have to be supplemented, or the angling pressure would reduce the availability of the resource. But one that I think that gets underutilized are catfish. We stock a lot of catfish in Colorado, don't we? We do. We stock a lot of uh, channel cat. Um, we also trade for flathead catfish and also blue catfish. Um, all of our urban urban corridor lakes, um, everything in Denver uh, gets uh, normally an eight-inch channel cat, um, and that's just also to you know boost that uh, startup growth on them. Um, and you know it's a it's a it's a great fish. It's a great fish for kids. Um, and you know, like I said, everything in Denver. Everything in Denver, you know, even your local neighborhood ponds gets these eight-inch channel cat, and it's a it's a fun fish. I grew up doing it uh, in Texas, uh, channel cat fishing, and it's a it's a great sport fish that, like you said, is, is underutilized. And we get some big catfish in Colorado. I don't know if people realize I've caught channels to twenty, and I think Charlie Black last year caught a um, I think it was a flathead. I don't think it was a blue. Maybe it was a blue, but it was like a thirty pound fish that was a state record. So we have some pretty good sized catfish in Colorado too. We do, we do, and um, a lot of our uh, lakes, particularly in the southeast southeast part of the state, um, 
where you know our, our warmer waters typically are um just grow really great uh, catfish um you know you've got henry and meredith and john martin and uh, adobe creek um and pueblo you know all these lakes offer really great uh catfishing and often you know bigger than average size well another fish that you guys have been stocking a lot more commonly that seems to be doing really well is the red ear sunfish yeah we have we've uh about i think it's been about four years um now we've been messing around with the uh the red ears in our hatchery system at our ray facility and what we're finding is they're doing really well um our biologists are starting to put them in a few more lakes uh, in the northeast uh, and a few in the southeast, but uh, one of those lakes is Stalker um, in Ray, Colorado, and uh, it seems like that uh, state record is consistently getting broken out there. Um, they, uh, they, they're doing really well. The last thing I want to talk about, and we're going to run a little over time, but I want to, I want to mm-hmm. make sure we get to this, and that's the fact that we kind of, you've seen a change. People have noticed a change in the population of wipers. We had some trouble for a while getting eggs that would hatch at the right time for our water temperature. We seem to have resolved that. We're, we're getting back to stocking wipers when we want to now from what the biologists tell me. But it, it made them look at the management policy and maybe balance. What lake should I put crappies in? What lake should I put more wipers in? And now we're seeing both those fisheries really start to thrive again under some changes in management philosophy. Yeah, you know, as far as that, from the hatchery side, you know, it's um, they're a difficult fish to raise. Uh, to spawn and race, um, but we still have our um, trading program. We trade with Texas and we trade with uh, Oklahoma and Kansas for these fish. Um, and it, 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 the reason they've been doing well is because we're still getting these fish from Oklahoma and Kansas. They typically come into our state a little later, um, often past the time when we're seeing our our uh, last cold fronts and cold weather, and so they're doing better in our ponds and. And in turn, you know, we have a lot more fish to stock. And, you know, our biologists do a great job out there with deciding, you know, uh, what's going to go in these waters and at what numbers. And I think you're seeing the, the response for that. Well, in the last comment, we've only got about 15 seconds, but we've really seen a resurgence because of some of these and because of the hatchery work and high water has helped. And that's crappies. Crappies have just come on in the state. They have. We've uh, What we're seeing is our biologists are seeing that also. And, you know, in turn, we're raising more in our hatcheries, and you know, the the high water again, it's it's offering that habitat for these fish, and we're stocking high numbers of them, and they're doing really well. You know, Pueblo and uh, Jackson, Pruitt, uh, North Sterling, and Adobe Creek are all seeing great numbers of crappie for our anglers to go catch. All right, I tell you what, Brandon, we are way out of time, but thank you so much for joining us, and hope people understand what a luxury it is to live in a state that has not only great cold water but great warm water fishing also thank you for sharing that message with us thanks terry you bet that's brandon from our hatchery system it really is great now we're going to go right back to the phones and we're going to talk to ray from adventure camper now ray did that make you want to take one of your campers jump out to one of these lakes and start fishing yeah, it sure did. Try to get one last uh, trip squeezed in before the summer ends, right? Well, you know, I, I try to fish year-round here. But some of the best fishing's in the fall. I've been meaning to ask you about that because, you know, school's starting starting at some already, and probably your rentals slow down. But some of the best time to be out there is that September-October time frame. Do you get as much demand then? Do you have a little more availability? 
We do. Uh, you know, it's you hit it. Uh, what what tends to happen with us is once the kiddos start going back to school, we see a lot of the family vacationers slack off. But it's a great time of year uh, if you're a couple, a grandparent, whatever, to go out and get some more camping done. And I couldn't agree more. I think September is the best year, best month of the year to go camping. Now you have your rentals, but you also uh, it's a great time. This is actually people don't realize a really good time to buy a camper too because the new models are coming out there's probably a few ones left over from the year before and and and, and uh, you take your time it's a good time to buy isn't it well it is there's a little less pressure on the inventory at this time of year and and you're exactly right it's uh the the big changes with the uh, manufacturers happen at expo here in about a month when we get into uh the third week of september that's when they start releasing some of their new floor plans and everything else so you're you're right uh, and just speaking from ourselves in particular if somebody wants to get a good deal on a trailer now uh for the next three months that's the best time of year to buy a camper and, and be able to get a, a good deal on one what else is going on at adventure camper before we let you go well, we're uh, excited for this solar eclipse coming up. Uh, just about all of our campers are booked now for the solar eclipse, but for those lucky enough to go, it looks like an interesting, uh, unique time of year. That's going to be interesting. We're kind of on the edge of it here, so if you have a camper and you head up north, you don't have to go too far. And you, if the weather's good, you'd have great viewing, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, get up there in Wyoming where there's usually a little less cloud cover and uh, be able to see it pretty well, I would hope. All right. Ray, thank you. We will talk to you again next week. Thanks, Terry. Good to talk to you. You bet. We're going to take a time out because we're kind of over, but I want to let Mary Beth know that we're going to get to you and we're going to cover it because I want to talk about what you're doing. I think it's fantastic what's going on at your park. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoke Fish Company's Honey Smoke Salmon. The secret is in the fire. Sun Power's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. I am going to go right to the phones and who uh, to somebody who has been just patiently, patiently waiting to get on. Or maybe you haven't been been so patient, patient with me uh, there, have you? Are you, are you doing okay, Mary Beth? Oh, I'm doing fine. <laughs> nah, I thank you for waiting. I think it's important to get you on. Um, we got a busy show today. We're doing covering a lot of things, but you guys have an event coming. Uh, first of all, you're from Cheyenne Mountain State Park. We've had you on recently and some other things. We'll talk about the park and where it's located in just a minute. But I want to get to an event you have coming up because I am evangelistic about getting people into the outdoors. People that listen to this show know that anybody, children, couples, women, anybody of any age, I think it enriches your life so much when you can get into the outdoors. And that's why... Uh, the state parks, Colorado Parks and Wildlife is such a big part of our show. And at Cheyenne Mountain State Park, you have a tremendous event coming up. Tell me about it. Uh, we do. It's called Adventure Day and it is on Saturday, August the 12th um, from 9 o'clock in the morning till 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And you're going to be doing, uh, it's Adventure Day. And is it, is it aimed at any type? Is it aimed at advanced, beginning, youth, or just everybody? Um, so basically, it's aimed at everyone. We'd like everyone to come out and um, have a, a, a try at some of the stations that, that we'll have. Um, some of those stations will be fishing, um, tomahawk throwing, archery, wildlife watching, birding, um, and we'll have a um, 22 caliber rifle shoot. Now well. you're and you're gonna. I, I believe there's going to be some scoring. Now let's, from my understanding, you can correct me if I'm wrong. 
But what this is going to allow people to do is you can come out and do all of these. You can compete and you can win tickets to get prizes. I'll let you explain that in a minute. Or maybe if you just want to try a few of the stations, you can still compete and get tickets. Like you may not want a six-year-old kid throwing a tomahawk. But he could certainly he could certainly um, do the fishing, which you don't even have water there. They're going to be casting into pools from a boat, right? That's correct. So, so tell us about the different stations and how you win tickets and what are the prizes you can win. Um, so each of the stations um, will have the opportunity to win um, raffle tickets, and those at the end of the um, of our activity at one o'clock, um, you can put those tickets in into um, a bin for one prize, or you can spread out your tickets for multiple prizes. Um, some of the prizes that we'll have on hand are a mountain bike, um, an annual state parks pass. We'll have some fishing gear, archery gear, and camping gear as well. Now, how do I win? Do I have to be the best at that station or within a certain score range? How do I win tickets? No, basically it's just um, it's for fun and it's for participation. And so if you participate, um, you will get a ticket for doing that station. Um, and then, like I said, you can take those tickets and put them all towards one prize if you'd like, or you can spread them out. Now, I'm a little bit competitive. So if, say, I was going to come out there with my oldest son or something, um, we could keep score against each other, couldn't we? Oh, certainly. <laughs> what I always do is if I'm winning, I tell him we're keeping score. If he's winning, okay. I tell him we're doing it for fun. Well, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like a great event. Now, what are the times of it again? So the stations will be open from 9 a.m. until 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, the drawing for prizes will be at 1.30, and that will um, be at our main trailhead in the park. Um, but from 11 o'clock to 2 o'clock, we will have other activities available at the trailhead as well. Um, some of those um, would be crafts, face painting, and then we'll have some fun games and a, a trivia wheel. Um, we'll have a food truck out here. Witty Pork is coming, and we'll be here um, from 11 to 2 as well. Um, so you can come out and have fun um, here in the park. You can participate in the stations or you can come and just do some of the fun activities we'll have. And the only real cost to this is your parks pass, right? That's correct. So the daily pass is $7 or you can buy an annual pass for 70 What a great activity. And that's next Saturday on 8-12 and uh, the hours. I'm sure it's on the website and probably the Facebook page for Cheyenne Mountain. It sure is, um, and we'll have a video out there. Uh, you can see some of the footage from our um, adventure race last year. Um, this year, it's just an adventure day. It's a day to come out and have fun at our park here in El Paso County. And one other thing, to tell people where Cheyenne Mountain is located. So we are located at the base of Cheyenne Mountain. Um, we are at the southern edge of Colorado Springs, um, and that is in El Paso County. And you're really well known for your trails, your change in elevation, and the wildlife watching at the park. So it's a great park to come out, even if you didn't want to partake in this. And one more thing we wanted to touch on, and that's the fact we talked to you, you guys last week. You guys have a great set of archery ranges. You have both static and 3D archery ranges. What a, and now is the time to be out there practicing for hunting, and those 3D ranges are really great for that. They are. Um, it is a phenomenal course that you can come out. Um, it's $3 for the day, or you can buy a yearly um, pass for that 3D range for $30, and it expires on March 31st. All right. Mary Beth, thank you so much. What a great, great opportunity for people. Thank you. You bet. That's Mary Beth from uh, Cheyenne Mountain State Park. You know what? This is how you get involved in the outdoors. Go participate next week. You know, 
they'll teach you how to cast. You can throw a tomahawk, shoot a twenty two rifle at targets. I mean, this gets you into that outdoor mode without having to spend any money on gear and with people to guide you. Or if you're advanced and you want to just show off a little bit, that's why I try to go up there. Only if I go with Karen, she beats me, so I don't like to do that. Hey, we're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we are going to uh, be joined by Darren Lindsay from A&A Toppers, and we're going to talk about how to outfit your truck to get ready for hunting. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. We are going to go to the phones now, and joining us... Uh, somebody who's been a friend of this show. Well, Darren Lindsay, A&A Toppers, you guys have been part of this show for, it's got to be over a decade now, Darren. Yeah, I think we talked about it here a few months back, Terry. I think it's been right at 13, 14 years that we've known each other, and it's been a great ride. Well, you know, and the thing that we really, and I was stressing it early when I was talking about some other sponsors, is the fact that we have sponsors that care about the outdoorsmen, that are outdoorsmen themselves, they go out and participate. You guys at A&A have stepped up above and beyond that. Not only do you and, and Greg at the other store both participate in the outdoors a lot, but you've gone out and, and approached the outdoor community and worked with the outdoor community. I don't know how many of the people that are regulars on this show work with you guys and other people around the country that your manufacturers have brought in. So you really have made servicing the outdoor public and understanding it part of your uh, repertoire. It's a passion of ours. We all love the outdoors, especially here in Colorado. It's, I'm going to say, the greatest state in the country for the outdoor community, and we love it, and we love talking and hearing all the stories from the fellow outdoors and hunting and fishing and camping guys I and women. I uh, We love to hear it, so we like to do it, and we want to help you uh, get ready to go enjoy Colorado and any other surrounding states for all your outdoor needs. I mean, that's what we do. It's, it's hard to do it at a Honda Accord. Yeah, well, we uh, we have a mantra on, on this station, and Nate and I both put it forward, so do all the other people, and that's don't get ready for hunting, stay ready for hunting. And, you know, part of that isn't just your, your firearm or your bow or your fishing rods or your clothing, but it's your vehicle because, like, as you said, my, my – well, we, I have two. I have an SUV and a truck, and my Ram truck is my outdoor vehicle, and you guys have outfitted it to make sure it suits my needs – now, we got fall fishing coming, but we really got hunting coming. Let's talk a little bit about what you can put on a truck to get it ready for hunting, especially, I suppose, we should start with the topper. And you could, you have to get the right topper. I mean, are you carrying gun dogs or what you're doing? Don't you kind of have to understand that? You do, and that's what the most important thing with us is we like to ask a ton of questions to the customers because they'll come in and say, I want a topper. Well, we need to get you the right topper. And by doing that, we want to know what you're doing. Hunting dogs is a huge one for ventilation. We all know early season, some some dove hunting and pheasant hunting and early bow hunting, if, if you need to get dogs back there, you need ventilation. And some toppers are better than others at getting ventilation, maybe some side access to reach in from the sides. There's racking options to be able to throw other stuff up on top. But you're right. If, if you need to get all that expensive gear covered, it all starts around a truck cap, truck topper. And with our three brands, we, uh, we, we pretty much got all your needs filled. Well, you absolutely do. And, you know, the other thing, too, I, I want to take it a step further. Now, I, I have the snug top topper on my truck, which is just phenomenal. You guys put it on. Um, 
And I consider that, you know, it keeps my gear away from prying eyes, keeps it out of the elements. If I get up in the mountains, go through weather, I don't have snow packed in. It does all those things. But there have been at trailheads and things, some incidents that maybe you want to keep things a little more secure or have a little more organized storage. And boy, you guys have some uh, options for that, don't you? Yeah, and that that with we all know how much money we put into some of our gear. This this gear is not cheap anymore. And if you want that added security and that added peace of mind to put additional lockable storage, um, we've we've got some of those things that can get up out of the way or be on the base of the bed to get you a little bit more storage. The uh, products that that we have for guns and and bows. You know, archery season's right around the corner and. You know, Jake started the cap pack. That's a lockable additional tray that slides out of the roof that has always been wasted space up in the interior roof of the top. Uh, cap pack is a company that uh, you could put bows, extra guns, shotguns. I have a I have a shotgun and a couple of fly rods sitting in my cap pack as we speak in case you, you need to go out and, and be ready to roll. But um, the bed storage and decked, the decked truck bed storage, and then also like we've talked about for years with truck bolt, you know, Al started Truck Vault specifically for high-end shotguns. So between deck, Truck Vault, and Cat Pack, that, that additional storage, Terry, is, is is something that nobody else really offers besides A&A here in town. No, and it makes so much sense. It's additional storage, additional security. Let's talk about a few other things that maybe people would consider getting ready for hunting. Now, one of them is a winch. I heard a nasty rumor that you even got stuck once. I don't like to talk about it, but we were up in the flat tops, and we went down one road, and I couldn't back myself out, and I had forgot my chains, and sure enough, a fellow hunter came along with the winch, and he winched my GMC Sierra out of there. So that was uh, something that there's going to be there's going to be a winch on my truck if you ever get in those precarious positions. What are some of the other things, though? There's some other accessories. I mean, grill guards. Tell me, go kind of go through what you would typically recommend some of the accessories for somebody getting their truck ready, specifically for hunting, maybe. Right, right, right. Well, some of the areas where we go, you know, we're, we do off-road driving. You know, these things that we need to go chase are not exactly on South Broadway or West Colfax. You need, you need to go out and go get them. So, uh, you know, we do leveling kits, and we do have associations with wheels and tires to get better mud train stuff if you're on you know on some off-road situations grill guards are huge with the amount of amount of deer and elk that are out there uh i would suggest getting some front end protection we've got we definitely have that and then the led lighting terry with when you're off-road in the middle of nowhere to have that extra lighting to be able to light up those off-road trails where there's not exactly street lights uh extra led lighting can absolutely help the outdoorsman and the hunter just to make sure that he can get where he needs to go what about accessory lighting i mean like when i open my truck bed my topper there's a light in there a lot of times i'm fishing and hunting before you know you're getting out before sunrise and after sunset and you need to pack your gear or you need better yet in the morning to get your gear out um do you carry some lighting that can help me with some of that yeah, absolutely. Great call. That's something that's really taken off the last year or two. We used to just have a little three-inch LED light that you couldn't really even use to see see your hand in front of you. But now with LED, I mean, I know Chad Lachance has some stuff. I know I put some in Bernie's extra truck. I mean, extra lighting is is just kind of a must for the fishermen and the outdoorsmen because, you know, there's a lot of times where uh, we hunt past sundown and we're out there before sun up. So extra LED lighting in the interior of a cap. Uh, is is something that I'm telling you, eight or nine out of ten outdoorsmen put in their in their toppers. No, it really is. Hey, before I let you go, tell people how they find both your locations and on the on the web. 
Yep, A&A Topper's been around here since the late 80s, 1988. Greg and I have been, uh, it's been a great partnership, and, and like you touched upon, you know, really catering to the outdoorsmen and, and all that. So I would talk, uh, go to A.A. Toppers, aatoppers.com. You can find us at 6955 West Colfax and 5425 South Broadway. And as always, come on, tell us a few stories, and we'll buy you a cup of coffee. And the last thing I got to hear, I got to talk to you. I know you're an avid hunter. And so we're coming up. We got archery season. We got doves. We got all this coming up. What tugs at you the most this time of the year? I'll tell you, um, I was talking to Doug from Colorado Clays, and he he thinks dove season is Christmas, okay? So I want to know what tugs you the most as we get into the fall, you, Darren, personally. There's a lot of people that say dove hunters, September 1st is a national holiday, Terry. So if you love to get out and get that shotgun going early on, it's, it's, it's not cold. It's warm. Um, I, I got to admit, dove, dove opener is very, very cool for a lot of my friends. It's a way to kick off the, the hunting season. So that's definitely one. And then I got my muzzleloader tag. So right behind that, it's going to be going and seeing if we can go get an elk up there in Colorado's mountains. I think the people that are happiest about dove season are the ammunition manufacturers. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. I tell you what. It's, it's a fun way to get a big group. That's the thing about dove hunt, I think, is that you, the more the merrier. It's not limited. Bring everybody out. Bring the kids out. That's the greatest thing about doves is there's always a handful of kids out there, and everybody you know cooks them up afterwards. It's, it's a real cool community deal as well. So. And you can hunt them with just about any shotgun. Yeah. Now, my it's, parents were cruel. They really were. My first shotgun was a 410. It had a pattern about the size of your hand. So you go dove or grouse hunting with that. You, you almost, you know, it was, it was just, I mean, it was ridiculously demanding. <laughs> Darren, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, t- uh, t- once again, uh, aatoppers.com. The hunters need to get there, and you need to, you'll take care of them. Always, 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 Terry. Great talking to you. We'll chat with you soon. All right. Thanks, Darren. That's Darren from A&A Toppers. Just a great partner, and they really do partner with our outdoor community. They are so dedicated to it. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter.